This is Two Guys in a River. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. We're two lifelong friends who love fly fishing for trout. Our podcast is all about helping you catch more fish and deepening your love of the time you spend on the river. We are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing. Today's podcast is brought to you by, well, us, Two Guys in a River. Dave and I have just published a new book on fly fishing called The Fly Fisher's Book of Lists. The best place to find the book is on Amazon.com. Summer is a terrific time of the year. There's baseball, camping, summer vacation, barbecue on the back patio, and the snowblower or snow shovel is in the garage. For sure. <laughs> of course, summer has its downsides, too. There are yards to mow. There's hay to bale. There's heat to deal with and tornadoes to contend with if you live in the Midwest. Plus, summer vacation for your kids may get everyone out of the routine. Well, I think summer has the same effect on fly fishing. Uh, There are some joys and woes that go with summer fly fishing. And we think that if you're aware of these, you can make the most out of fly fishing in the summer. Uh, You can head to the river with the right expectations and be prepared to capitalize on what works best and to make the necessary adjustments. So, uh, Dave, let's start with the joys of uh, summer fly fishing. What comes to your mind? I love the warmth of summer. Oh, absolutely. Just less clothing in general. Yep. And maybe only a rain jacket. Yeah. Although, remember that time a couple years ago? It was, I think, like the 6th or 7th of August, and we hiked into Tower Fall. It started out at 90 degrees and then dropped to 55 degrees yep. within mm-hmm. like two hours. Yeah. I remember uh-huh. it started to rain and I oh, got yeah. chilled. Yep. Thankfully, I had my rain jacket and that actually, along with my waders, kept me warm enough. But in general, in the summer, I just love the warm the warm days and what that means. Just less gear, less clothing. and It's, it's like you're... You're more nimble in some ways. Oh, I know. It's nice. And that leads to number two, and that would be wet wading. In other words, instead of putting on your chest waders, a lot of times you can get away with nylon shorts or or pants, and you don't have to be like the guy that we saw in the Driftless. Remember that 80-degree day? I mean, the sun was out, and he is in his chest waders. I'm, I'm like, thinking you're gonna die in those. <laughs> my friend, uh, my friend, strip down. Oh, I know it was ridiculous. So what? So in that instance, if you're wet wading, what do you use for foot gear? Well, there's a couple of options. You, you can use your wading boots if you buy the neoprene socks. Now, theoretically, and that's the operative word. Theoretically, it, it, it's supposed to keep your feet dry because. Uh, the water is not going to go through the neoprene socks. It's the same stuff that's on the bottom of your waders <laughs> and your speedos. <laughs> oh man! Oh, where do I Let's even jump take in? Take two, that? baby. Yeah. Oh my word! I meant your waders. Oh, good grief! Anyway, <laughs> or did you mean yeah. my our speedo? Yeah, yeah, really. <laughs> Oh, that must have been what I was thinking. That that is not. Is that a, what you love about no, summer? No, that is, and that is not our definition of wet wading. We do not fly fish in speedos. So, oh my at our word. age, that would be ugly. Oh yes. my, that would oh, be horrible. Man, I know. Anyway, the point I was so desperately trying to make is, uh, even if you have those neoprene socks on, uh, the problem is you're going to get 
uh, water that comes in from the, the top. There's just no way to, to see, really to seal uh, off that that section, you know, from from your leg to the sock. So in other words, you just expect that your feet will get wet, and that's not the worst thing. What I really like to do is to use my Sims wading shoes. Uh, and, and there's others besides Sims, but Sims makes a really nice pair. And uh, sometimes if, if we, like if we hike into the backcountry in Yellowstone uh, National Park, I will just wear my hiking boots and, and I'll have those uh, wading shoes in, in a little day pack or even in my, uh, uh, even in my vest. And, and, and then you can put those on. But that, that's a great combination. And it really is... It really is nice. Again, use nylon shorts or, or pants uh, because they dry out really quickly. Well, that's right. Sims, I don't know there's other companies. They will make sandals that actually have the felt bottoms. The I like the wading shoes because they're a little bit stouter. Is that what they're called, wading shoes? Uh, the ones that I have, they're wading shoes, but then they have wading sandals. So all our listeners would need to do is just to jump online, go to Sims, or, or see what Orvis has. And, and all, you know, anybody who, who manufactures uh, wading boots, they're going to sell some kind of a sandal or a, or a wading shoe that, uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's just you, you put that on. You don't necessarily have any socks, although sometimes I will use a, a short uh, sock like I do with running shoes just so I, I don't get blisters but that's going to get wet but it's not a big deal so in in theory you could wear those wading sandals even in the west probably from middle of May to middle of September yeah yeah it just depends on the weather sometimes mid-May uh, you know might be pushing it a little bit but it's it's like you said remember we were on the Wyoming Bighorn uh, what three four years ago with our friend Chaz and it was a gorgeous day, and I was wet wading, and boy, it, it cooled down in the afternoon, and, and we got a little bit of rain, and the, the water was actually warm, but by the time we were done, we, we were, we were kind of chilled. We were chilled, yeah. You just have to be careful. So the third joy is fly fishing hoppers. Is oh, there a greater joy man, than fly fishing hoppers? That's a huge one. So that's mid-July to, to late August or some of those big attractor yeah, patterns, yep. the spruce moth, the, um, yep. you know, the coachman's, the caddis, you know, mm -hmm. those big attractor patterns. Oh, that's and so much I fun. And I just love fishing those big flies, oh. those big surface flies. Remember oh, I know. that day on 16 mile, that's what yep. we did all day long. It is such a rush. It just, you, you talk about your, your heart skipping a beat. I mean, you see that big old fly and, and you're just waiting and waiting and all of a sudden, man, out of the depths, boom. It's, it's great. It really yeah, is. It, what's nice is you're not fighting, you know, size 18 nymphs or size oh, 20 nymphs. You just got this big chunky fly oh, that you're casting out there. I, know. I just love it. And you want to make it, you want to make a clunky cast. You want it to slap the water. So it's exactly. A, it's so it works so for my fly casting. Oh yeah, it casting. does. Yeah. I'm, I'm a really good caster with hoppers, man. I can make that baby <laughs> splash. Oh, another one, another joy is fishing later in the day. You know, the days are longer and I love fishing in the evening. I remember last summer in Estes Park, I was with uh, uh, one of my sons and my brother, and and uh, we would uh, we'd go into uh, Rocky Mountain National Park, and we we had this little stretch on the Big Thompson River that just about dusk, uh, the you know the, there was a there was a some kind of a hatch coming off every night. I think it was just 
uh, well, I think it was blue wing olives because we were just using parachute atoms in that work. It was some kind of a mayfly pattern, and and man, we would catch browns even into you know even into the dark, and it was it was just so nice. It was warm, and and uh, you know then then we'd go in and, and eat that night. So yeah, summer uh, summer just extends your day, and and that's great too if you if you're fortunate to live near a uh, a river or stream, you can get off work and still have a few hours to fish. The fifth joy are the high mountain lakes, and there's just nothing so wonderful as catching cutthroat yeah. rookies, you name it, on these high mountain lakes. Wasn't yep. it? What was the name of that reservoir above Bozeman that you and I fished? Yeah, highlight. Yeah, highlight, highlight reservoir. reservoir. I think yeah. we went out on tubes that day. Didn't yeah, we even uh-huh. catch anything? Yep. Float tubes. Now the water was high that day. Uh, but uh, I, I've had some days on that, uh, you know, in the summer that, that are really good. It's uh, it's just a ton of fun. It's just a different kind of fishing. It is, and yeah. it's just pure joy. Nothing. I nothing love short the, of pure joy. I love to hike up to Spruce or Loomis Lake and Rocky Mountain National Park, and then those are those are a little bit more rugged. Or there's one uh, sky pond. It's up above Mills Lake, and uh, you actually hike up a waterfall. And uh, you, you come to Sky Pond, good brook trout fishing, and yeah, they're they're a different animal uh, than uh, a river, or a creek. But yeah, the high mountain lakes are fun, and yeah, you're not going to fish those in the in the spring. You can't. There's so much snow, and and you you might for a little while in the fall, but it seems like the summer is when they're at their best. I think it was the late '90s that I went and tried to fish Harrison Flats in the Collegiate Peaks and hiked all the way up only to get up there and realize it's still frozen over. Oh, man. And oh, it, that must have made you mad. Oh, because the hike is excruciating. Yeah. And you, you just pop over the top and you go, what? No, no. Yeah, and sure enough, we hike yeah. back down. So, uh, but yep. yes, you're right. You know, early is not good, but man, once yeah. you hit mid-July, man, those lakes are awesome. Oh, they are. So there's a lot of joys to fly fishing in the summer, but... Uh, before we strike up uh, the chorus of uh, it's the most wonderful time of the year, uh, there's some woes, too, that go with Absolutely. fly fishing in the summer. And the first is low water. Oh, and, yeah. you know, this continues into the fall. Fish are spookier. There's longer walks between fishable runs. Yep. And the fish, they, they stack up differently in yeah, some of those. Yeah, they do. They the, really when do. When the water gets low, mm-hmm. it's, it fishes differently. There's yeah. just no doubt. Yeah, I know we have some places where we love nymph fishing and in the spring in the spring in fact uh, canfield creek near preston and oh i we were out there recently dave and i were and i, I just love that the flow is just right but i thought and you pointed it out you said you know what in a couple months in, in the summer uh, this is going to be low and a lot of these really nice nymphing runs it they're not going to exist you're just going to have to go from pool to pool yeah it's uh, it's, it's and and they yeah Exactly. Yep. Well, a second woe would be the heat, uh, both for the fish and also for the fly fishers. Uh, you know, in terms of the fish, that there are some places on the uh, the Madison, the Lower Madison, but also the Madison and the Bear Trap, which uh, you really shouldn't fish during the middle of the day because uh, in, in the summer the fish are just going to tire out. It's 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 really dangerous for them. I think they're a little bit more lethargic. And if they're lethargic, guess what? So are the middle-aged fly fishers like Dave and me when you've got that uh, 
you got 90 degrees and, and sun all day. So, and wearing your full set of waders. Oh, oh yeah. Good night. <laughs> exactly. Yep. So that that's that's a problem. Yeah, and more sunny days can lead to less hatches, I yeah, think. Yeah, that's true. Right? Yeah, it is. It seems that way, at least. Right. It, it does. And, of course, that's where you can fish some of the big attractor patterns. But honestly, I've done well with attractor patterns on the Yellowstone, say, in Paradise Valley. But... I've never done that well with the tractors on the the Madison. Uh, it just seems like those fish are keyed in more to some of the particular hatches. And if they're not happening, then you might as well just nymph. The third woe is crowds. Man, that ought to be number one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you, so you really have to figure out how to work around it. Some workarounds yep. need to fish during the week, really early, maybe late. You found last. Uh, last summer, I think at Rocky Mountain, that once mm-hmm. eight o'clock hit, almost every fly fisher had left. Yeah, yeah, you're so right. So you fished into mm-hmm. dark, right? Yep. Into the dark. We did, and that's when the fishing got good. And, and everybody but one or two other fly fishers, I think, really knew what they were doing. Um, you know, went home, but but all the others who were maybe new at this and you know had all the cool looking gear, they they took off. Well, and I remember my brother and I were fishing out in Montana, and it was a year in which my brother had a boondoggle breast cancer research trip. Or, oh, yeah. So mm-hmm. we flew out into Bozeman. It was the year that we saw the Barack Obama um, motorcade. Oh, yeah, that's and right. And they were staying at the Big Sky Resort where Matt and I were fishing and were staying. And the Gallatin River was just stacked with fly oh, fishers. yeah. And so we chose to fish Taylor Fork and had a really great day on hoppers. But so you have to think about the alternative places to fish where other people mm-hmm. are not fishing or else you're just going to, I think you're going to be frustrated with all the fly fishers. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Well, here's another woe. And this depends a little bit on where you're fishing. But in general, snakes are more active. And a lot of the fishing that we do in, in Montana, Wyoming, I mean, it's in rattlesnake country. And even in the driftless, you know, I've done a little bit of reading. I mean, there, there's water moccasins. There's, uh, I think there's some copperheads. There might even be a few rattlers at places. So you just have to be more careful. I mean, you can run into them in April or, or October. But I'll tell you what, there were some October days. I know there were not going to be any rattlesnakes out. It was just too cool. But this is where we really recommend carrying your wading staff. And that, that actually, uh, if, if you stumble on a snake, that, that can provide you with a little bit of protection. And the corollary to that is bear spray and bears, right? Yeah, they, that's right. They're active in the summertime, although, yep. you know, depending on where you're at. And uh, so that's important as well. Yeah, absolutely. So the fifth one, one of the woes is that there are no spawners, right? right. So, yeah. you know, the rainbows and the cuts... Uh, spawn in the spring and the browns and the brookies in the fall and then of course all the fish that chase them up river as well so you just don't get that same kind of is it density or at least yeah yeah that concentration of fish and and they're sometimes feeding a little bit more aggressively or they're 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 hanging out behind the the spawning beds behind the reds you know waiting for eggs to drift down so yeah, well, for example, the Gardner River, where we f- love to fly fish in the fall in uh, you know, Yellowstone National Park, uh, during the summer, that's a nice little river. You'll, you'll catch you know, 8 to 14-inch fish, but uh, wow, in, in the fall, when those uh, runners are, are coming up out of the Yellowstone, 
I mean, you. The average you, jumped six inches. Oh, man. We, almost. Yeah, we were catching, you know, 16, 17, 18, 19. I had I one that was you, 21. You caught a couple 21 yeah. inchers. And uh, that's, yeah, so that that's the difference. You know, there's some rivers where that may not be as big of an issue, but. Uh, and also combined with the first woe, which is the low water. Yeah. And it just mm-hmm. becomes more complex, right. I think, you know, fishing some of these yep. runs. Well, here's the last one. And I say this a little bit tongue in cheek, but family vacations. I mean, man, these, these just take away from fly fishing time. They do. <laughs> and if you try to combine these, I, I know a time or two I've had my son's, uh, uh, below Tower Fall in Yellowstone Park, down on the uh, the Yellowstone River, and uh, you know my wife has waited patiently up in the parking lot reading a book or something. But we know, okay, we have like an hour and a half, which, of course, ends up being two hours or two and a half hours. So, boy, f- sometimes family vacations and fly fishing just don't mix well. <laughs> I think that's true. I remember going out to Bozeman. I don't remember when was it that we stayed at your place and oh, we also yeah. fished Highlight Reservoir. Yeah, that's, when we that's fished. right. Remember that? Yeah. Did we stay with you? I can't even remember. Yeah, you did. You, you did. But what was that? Fifteen years ago? Oh man, at least it was. It was almost late nineties, I think. But yeah. I, you just there's this conflict, right? So mm-hmm. you know what happens is your wife, if if you're the fly fisher, it might be that your wife is the fly fisher, but someone always ends up with the kids, right? While you're out fly fishing, you can do that once, but not so much every day or two or three times a day. So it's always a conflict. When when someone says, I'm going to go out to Montana, to Bozeman, Montana, I'm going to take the family out and I'm going to do some fly fishing. I think, oh, I'm so sorry. Right? Yeah. Because it's not not like some activities where you can go maybe – you know, play nine holes of golf or even 18 holes. And I mean, it, it, it's a, it's a little bit more involved than that. Just getting there, yeah. getting, finding places gear to set. fish. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a, it's depending a, on if your kids are young, uh, if they're older, then you can probably yep. engage them, but then you probably need a guide and yep. it just adds complexity. So family yep. vacations are one of the woes. They're great joys, yep. but they're really one of the woes when it comes to fly fishing. It really does. So, hey, there you have it. There are the joys and woes. We hope that gives you a little bit more perspective on, on how to think about a summer trip and, uh, whether uh, you should bring your family with. <laughs> yep. Yep. That's exactly right. Well, it's time for great stuff from our listeners. David is one of our newer listeners. He made this comment about our podcast on our favorite two-fly combos. We had several good comments on that. Anyway, here's his comment. He said, while fishing the Tongue River in Wyoming, I had one of those days where I was getting short strikes and missed several fish all afternoon and into the evening. I just couldn't hook up and land a fish. Frustrated, I went back to the lodge to regroup. The following day, I decided to go to a two-fly system. I used a rather large caddis as my floater, and a WD-40 fished about 16 inches behind the caddis. I haven't used a WD-40. Have you, Dave? I haven't, but it made me realize i gotta, I got to get me some of those. Yeah, right? that's right. Well, uh, our friend David says it was like magic. He said the cutthroat would go to the caddis, and for a refusal, they would turn to the WD-40 and slam it. Uh, This was the case all day long. I landed and released several cuts in the 16 and 19 inch range. Boy, that's a beautiful fish. Oh, man. He says, I had one of the best days in the stream in a long time. So, uh, it was so good. I was singing out loud walking back to the truck. I love that. That's cool. (laughs) He says, that day the two fly system was a trip saver. By the way, did you know that the WD for WD 40 
actually stands for wood duck because that's the feather that they use to create the fly. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I thought you were talking about the WD-40 product, which is water displacement, 40th attempt. But <laughs> no, that makes sense. Wood duck. Okay. Yeah, wood and duck what's, feather. what's the 40? I don't know, but it's an emer- it's like an yeah. emerger, I if think. If he ties like me, it's probably wood duck. I finally got it right on the 40th try. <laughs> oh, man. So actually, the WD stands for uh, wood duck. So oh, cool. I think it is an emerger. Yeah, yeah. all right. That it makes sense. It sits just beneath the film a little bit. So Cool. Well, that's going to do it for today. Uh, what do you love and hate about summer fly fishing? Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Just go to twoguysinariver.com, comment on this podcast link. What is your list of joys and woes of summer fly fishing? You can find Two Guys in a River on all the social platforms, as well as iTunes and Stitcher. And we have all of our articles on our website, twoguysinariver.com. We publish one new episode and a new article each week. And of course, we'd really love for you to purchase our book on Amazon.com, The Fly Fisher's Book of Lists, Life is Short, Catch More Fish. That's right. We need you to buy it. We're still trying to get on the New York Times bestseller list. (laughs) And maybe with your purchase, it'll it'll put us there. It'll it'll be the one viral moment that revectors the trajectory of the sales. That's exactly right. How'd you like that? (laughs) Very good. Well, hey, thanks again for listening. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. Until next time, we are two guys in a river. For the love of fly fishing.